It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Bowl season is almost upon us, and Penn State plays January 1st, so we're doing a little bit of previewing, looking at Penn State as they get ready for the Outback Bowl. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. James Franklin said last Sunday that what he is looking for in this particular time from his team is to do some development of some of their younger players. So Nate Bauer has taken that and run with it, and the most important players on offense and defense to get those developmental reps during bowl season it's the it's the golden pot at the end of the rainbow for coaches that get to bowl games so we're going to get into the players that uh, Nate thinks are the important ones that develop this season he's narrowed the list down to three and he's here to share that with us today Nate long introduction but welcome thank you for coming to the show <laughs> it was great I appreciate it how are you I'm good I hate long introductions I try really hard to make sure that people actually see your hear your voice and not just look at you going well, I blather on for a little bit. So uh, glad you're on the Nate, show. Glad we're doing the follow-up to the offense. Nate Nate Bauer had a 3.14 GPA at Penn State. <laughs> coming, coming to you after 17 years of professional experience. Go with it, man. It's good. I like it. Uh, so so how did this work out for you today? Uh, the, the article up at yes. bluewhiteillustrated.com. So, I mean, you know, look, let's, let's be honest here. I can't. I can't choose incorrectly, right? I mean, if I'm limiting myself to three choices uh, on a side of the field, well, really, I did it for offense and for defense. Um, You know, look, like, it's important for all of these guys. That's the bottom line. Yeah, there's about five corners we could name of guys that need to step up next year. 100% hundred percent. Same, same for receivers, right? Like, so, so if you're looking across the field, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, it's really just about seeing the positions that have needs for next season. Uh, you know, and obviously we're still working with a situation where you don't know exactly who is coming back and who isn't, yep. but you can make some assumptions certainly at this point. Yep. Um, what are the assumptions you, know, you made not to cut you off? What are the assumptions assumptions you made as far as guys that are moving on in your yeah, article? So, yeah. So the first, so the first one is, is certainly Ellis Brooks, uh, yeah. you know, having already been at Penn state for five years that he, he will move on. Um, there's, there's been some smoke to that effect, uh, as it is. And on top of that, Jesse Lucetta, right? So yeah. e- even if Jesse Lucetta were to somehow come back for another year, um, it, it really wouldn't make a difference at Mike linebacker, you would assume. Right. And, yeah. but, Again, like I'm making that assumption that Jesse Lucetta will also move on. So primary spot number one is really the quarterback of your defense at that Mike linebacker spot. Yeah. Um, you know, so so he was number one and I went with Tyler Elsden then as a result. And I think that that we can both kind of speak to the fact that that's that's an important position. That's a guy who Penn State has had some. You know, some optimism about, I would say. Uh, the, you know, if you if you go back and kind of collect 
some of the quotes and some of the impressions that Penn State's coaching staff, whether it was James Franklin, whether it was Brent Pry, uh, you know, Dwight Galt, like all of these guys have really kind of touched on the fact that Tyler Elston is a guy who they have high expectations and high aspirations for, yeah. um, which makes him a perfect candidate for this, right? Because this season, he really hasn't played a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, really hasn't played a whole lot. There, yeah. there it goes back very... to that whole. It goes back to the whole thing of they didn't really blow anybody out, so guys like Tyler Elsden didn't get into a lot of games. Correct, correct. Yeah. So you he's... can put my name on the list, by the way, of people that are expecting big things out of Tyler Elsden. I was very impressed with his film in high school, and I'm expecting those steps to be taken well, that James Franklin talked about in spring. But it's but it's funny, right? He he was a guy who, if I'm recalling correctly, and maybe I'm not, but you you had some questions about his preparedness this season and in the very limited film that you were able to see, I think he played ball state Villanova in Indiana. Um, you know, I I think if you, you can refresh my memory here, he wasn't good in coverage. So that was the problem. Um, is that, and that was his profile in high school is he is a human missile. He's going to fill gaps. He's going to get downhill, but can he turn and run? He was kind of a, a stiff necked bull sort of player that doesn't move well in space. He looked better in the spring. I did see an improvement there, but, you know, that's the spring ball. So then when yeah. you watched him against Ball State, if you looked at some of his PFF grades this year, uh, he got thrown on uh, in that game, and he was not really, didn't look comfortable in space. So that's the development that he has to take going forward because he's got a lot of good skills as far as he's a twitchy, fast, explosive football player that now just needs to transition that explosiveness to every direction of the football field, or, or at least as many as he can. And, and isn't a big part of that knowing what to do, Yeah, right? Like the, the longer that you're in it and the more comfort that you feel at the position, those things are going to, to come more naturally. I mean, but like you said, with the twitchiness, he's, he's got the, the physical tools. He's got the ability to do these things. It's just a matter of putting it all together, which is again, you know, I, I don't want to be the, uh, <laughs> there's there's nothing there's nothing uh you know magical to this like insight yeah that's why these weeks are important that's why that's why why december january february march april you know they become critically important for a player like that who very conceivably could step into a starting role next season and it's about knowing the position and eliminating inefficiencies as much too so even if you aren't the best athlete in the world one of the things that linebacker in particular is don't have false steps so don't take two or three extra steps downhill for your run fit on an rpo read it react flow to the football correctly and and that's where ellis brooks has been very good early and then a little, you know, hiatus there in 2020, and then much better this year of being just phenomenal at getting there. That's the thing that I think he has to replace, and he'll do it differently. Where Ellis Brooks is is much more of a fluid athlete, doesn't have, have that pop behind his pads as much. Ellis Brooks can see it and fly downhill and and hurt some people, and and that's going to be kind of his. I think that's going to be his Mike linebacker role is much more of that traditional sort of thumper guy. And he just can't be bad in coverage. I'm not expecting him to be, you know, what Brandon Smith has been this year. Some of the other guys that have been good in coverage, going back to Sean Lee and players like that at that position. I think he just has to not be a liability. The other guy I want to bring up, because I think 
based on his physical tools and that he had a good season. I wouldn't say it was a, in a, an elite season, but Brandon Smith most likely is moving on. Penn State was looking at Jacoby Windman in the transfer portal who chose Michigan State. So they're clearly looking for a guy with Will Sam position flexibility. Do you think Kobe King fits into this picture as a guy where early in his career, Lucetta and Ellis Brooks were both splitting time at that Mike linebacker position. Do you think there could be a situation like that where there's the co-starter going into next year? Right. right. Well, and for sure. And, and you know, you're talking about box linebackers, right? So they, they conceive of that Mike and Will to be relatively interchangeable, I think. Is that... Is that your read on their take on those positions? Uh, yes. So, so it's 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 those two, and then the Sam position is very different. So there's some interchangeability, but you still got to cover the slot if you're the the will linebacker. So if if they're going to be in a three, if the offense is going to be in a three by two set, or if they flex the linebacker the uh, the the running back out, somebody's got to leave the box, and that's typically the will, uh, and that's kind of where you've got more coverage responsibilities, the will than the Mike. So my so my question for you would be, and I hate to put you on the spot here, but would is is Kobe more of a Mike or a Will versus what we just talked about with Tyler? Like between I, the two of those, who do you see filling those roles? See, I think they're they're so similar in their in the end result. So Kobe is very Kobe's big. Yes, like he's a big dude. Like it, yes, visually, I mean, we've both seen him kind of up close. I mean, he's just he just. Massive. <laughs> he, and and he's been that way since he was a senior in high school. So he's he's a big dude that didn't get big. He's a big dude that's been big. So he knows how to handle his size. He's got, I think he's a little more like Ellis Brooks with fluidity. He's, he's a very fluid athlete that when I watched him on film, my concern was, does he have the speed? Like if you could smush him and Elsden together, you would have an all Big Ten linebacker from a physical standpoint. But it's just how do you, which one do you think fits what you're looking for because Elsden I think has a little more speed and and they're both I wouldn't say none of them are at the level of Brandon Smith or Curtis Jacobs so then your question becomes do you got do you split those guys at the Mike linebacker position move Curtis Jacobs over to the will and then find a new Sam linebacker who as much as I consider that a starter on the defense you do go to five defensive backs quite a bit with Daquan Hardy, who I also consider a starter on the defense. So you can yep. massage that a little bit more, and maybe Jamari Budden comes into into play, which is why I thought Windman was really important for Penn State because he had that flexibility to play either position. But, you know, that one's obviously to the win now. They're not going to be able to get him. So I think it leaves Penn State in a really um, precarious position where they might have three box linebackers and might not have a good replacement at that, at that Sam position. Or you might have to have somebody that's not a great will. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I look like that's what this time of year is for is figuring those things out. And certainly given, given the date right now, right in early December, there's lots of time, you know, uh, yeah. so much of that transfer portal movement is going to happen after the new year. Yep. And so I think there are probably some players who have not had those, year-end conversations and figured out what's going on with their head coach and their position coach, right? Like just yep. so much of this is in flux right now that it's really difficult to, to, to say one way or the other as to, to right? Like the, the prospect that you're just talking about Winman, if you miss on that, there's no guarantee that one, there will be another that you love quite as much. Right. But two, that, 
but there won't be. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, there very, there very well could be somebody else out there uh, who comes out there who isn't currently there. And and I I came up with the the Litton Ebikidi scale of transfer that I was yeah. thinking of Jacoby Windman. So AJ Litton is a guy that immensely talented, but played primarily on special teams. Was was a was a participant in the team and was not like he was on the bench or wasn't valuable to the team, but he wasn't the impact guy that Arnold Ebikidi was, who became the star of the defense outside of Jaquan Brisker. Yeah. Uh, on on the Litton Ebikidi scale, I think Winman would have been a solid Tangelo. So he would have been a guy that you could play at a position. He's a starter. He's not the star, but he was going to be a good and again versatile piece in this puzzle. So that's where I, you know you look at what they have on the roster right now. I it might be retro freshman Jamari Budden that has to fill in that role of Sam linebacker like Curtis Jacobs did earlier in his career. Um, if that's the case, is that it doesn't feel ideal to me, does it, Nate? Uh, I, I would say not, other than the fact that Button's another guy who oh, he was State has felt good about, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's a guy who they talked about and through the course of the season, right? Like, this year was, was so much better of a circumstance for them to develop guys uh, – through practices, right? Whether it's developmental scrimmages yep. on Sunday, just just the practice situation that they had this year, uh, certainly as compared to last, but just in general, um, this was a team that had so many true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores who really just weren't in a position to play um, this year, who just yeah. didn't see a ton of time other than guys who obviously had, had started or, or moved into those critical roles. So... I think the fact that as the season went along, you started to hear about some of those guys more and more, even if they did preserve their red shirts. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still it still is a situation where Penn State can probably feel a little bit better about whether or not they're ready to play next year. Now, again, like that's not to project starter status right. on some of these guys, but right. and I guess that's the part where it's if you've got a guy that's gonna be on the field as a redshirt freshman for seven hundred snaps by the end of the season. That yep. might make you uncomfortable. And and you're right. Budden was another guy that had, I think, uh, uh, a really underrated profile coming out of high school. So that's yep. uh, not to discredit that, but as to you, to the point you made, we haven't seen him this year. So much less evidence of that where we at least got to see Kobe King a little bit. And he was more of a star in what we saw from spring practice as well. So I, f I feel a little bit more sure of what I've seen from Kobe King as far as instead of what we've seen from Jamari Button. But in any case, I think you're going to see both of those guys, Elsden and King, at the very least, part of the linebacking core next season. Uh, what's the next guy on your list? So uh, so I went to defensive tackle. Uh, oh. Is it who I think a, it is? I hope so. Uh, Jordan Jordan Vanderbilt. Yes. Van Denberg, excuse me. Yes. Jordan Vandenberg is my guy. Can I, can I call him the little engine that could? Is that? <laughs> he's another dude that I don't think you realize how big he is. He is. Know. He's a thick kid. And like in a way that you don't notice at first. And then you realize he's like a big linebacker because yeah. he's a, he, he has the proportions of a linebacker. He's not a big kind of meaty defensive tackle, but he's 285, 290 pounds. And he moves and he's fast. fast. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I and I think I mean there were a couple of plays this year off the top of my head they're not coming to me. Maybe 
he, Michigan State was one, but he he had a couple of plays where like you saw, and obviously we're talking about guys who had very very limited participation this season. Yeah, but even in those instances, you could see some of the flash. Like you could see some of the the elements that that Penn State got excited about and bringing these guys uh, onto Penn State's campus. So no, I mean he he was he was a guy who again a little bit older. Right, didn't come to Penn State as a true freshman. They got yeah. him after a year at uh, at a community college, and uh, Iowa Western Community College. Right, I think Iowa Western. Ah. Right, like oh, I, I screwed it up about nine times. Five of them intentionally because I couldn't remember it. <laughs> okay, okay. What? What? I mean, what were your impressions when you first saw him in the first place? Well, he played defensive end uh, at, at Iowa Western, so it was it was. Penn State, what they want from their three technique is basically to be a five technique defensive end that is just unblockable, strong, and quick. And he fits all of those molds. And actually, I heard from him, uh, I believe it was him, he commented on one of my previous YouTube videos before I was here on Blue White Illustrated, saying that he had, I think, a, a knee injury during the season that he played through. And so he was lacking some of the power in his lower body because one of my assessments of him was he's quick, he's got violent upper body strength, but he needs to work on his lower body strength at Penn State so that he can become that complete three technique. And he said, yeah, I was playing with a knee injury. And uh, that's actually one of my strengths. And watching him in practice, because I, I wanted to see him through the course of the season, I was very interested in his abilities and his movement skills are off the charts. So then it yep. just has to become... You know, he's a three technique. He's he's played some there before. Has he learned the position? Does he know how to take on blocks from multiple angles and all that stuff? The the um, the thing about him that kind of stood out to me from this season is uh, I, I had an interview with Dwight Galt in August where, I, you know, I was able to, to talk about some of the, the guys that stand out in the weight room. And towards the end of the conversation and the end of the interview, one of uh, the things that I asked was about the true freshmen or, or younger guys, guys who are new to the program, who have impressed. And he he had three, right? Uh, you can guess where this is going, obviously, but Landon Tengwall yep. was one. Jamari Button was another one, a guy who just physically is impressive. And then Vandenberg was the third. And yeah. the, the reason for that was, uh, you know, he just – he just is an ox, right? <laughs> like yeah, just, I think that's just, a great way to put that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just, he just had all of those elements where look, like I, I wasn't asking for surprises, right? Like I wasn't saying like, Oh, who, who's somebody who you didn't expect to, to have those elements. It was just who impresses you in the first place of, of those groups of newcomers. And you know, to be to be among those three that stand out the most at, at that kind of early stage in their Penn State careers, I think speaks volumes because in a lot of those cases, right? Like some of these he also guys, got here in the summer. Like he did, he got here in August, so it wasn't like he was an early enrollee or anything. He stood out immediately. Some some of these guys are they just kind of are who they are physically, right? Like yeah. you, you you do the best that you can. Um, but when you're working with that type of a ceiling in terms of athleticism and some of the different things that they can do, when you add the development side to it of in terms of technique and, um, you know, all of the different things that, that John Scott has been working with him on this year, 
that that raises the bar a little yep. bit. I think that certainly you can also see the fact that that's a position this year. I, you know, I don't see how it could have been demonstrated any more clearly with uh, Tangelo. You know, obviously having to step in in Mustafer's absence, but he's going to be gone, right? Yep. Tangelo's going to be gone, yep. and then you don't know what's up with Mustafer yet. There's going to be opportunity there. There's going to be yeah. there's going to be a place for those guys. Uh, just so everyone is aware, because I don't know if everyone knows Jordan Vandenberg because he was added so late in the class of 2021. Six three two ninety two. So he's not a small guy. He's six three, two hundred ninety two pounds. And I don't want to say it's like natural weight, but it doesn't look like he's tried to try too hard to add weight. Uh, another thing that, and, and I had this picture up uh, a second ago, I want to put this up again. One thing that's really important to me is bend from defensive linemen, like lowering your pad level. And he is a very natural bender. Some guys you get that are big and strong and they get a little muscle bound. He has a natural fluidity to him. So yeah, I, when you brought him up, I was like, oh, we're going to have a long conversation about physical tools because this guy's off the chart. I'm super excited to watch him play football. It's just it's just kind of funny uh, bringing him up because, I'm, one, I'm not sure how many Penn State fans are really aware of him other than, you know, the diehards. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't like a celebrated class of 2021 member, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he just... I, I don't know. His story to me flies a little bit under the radar, but again, if you're paying attention to some of the things that Penn State's coaches have said, uh, Brent Pry brought him up in the preseason, yeah, uh, in in June, really, uh, where Brent Pry said that he thought that he was positioned to push those guys at defensive tackle, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that's that's that is what you want is a guy who's going to drive starters forward to keep yeah. everybody moving and with a with a you know work ethic and kind of that attitude and that that element that he brings to the game yeah it, it appears that he is ready to fulfill that I was also glad that they didn't play him uh, this year because one of the one of the things that I was concerned about is um he played in the spring so he played his community college season in the spring into the, the late spring, almost into like uh, end of May, maybe. So yep. playing two football seasons in one year seemed a little ridiculous. So I'm glad that they were able to keep him redshirted and that he didn't have to contribute this year because I that sort of load to me seemed like you could cause more harm than good to his body physically. And you want this guy next year to step in and be an ox. That nose tackle position, though, that's an interesting one. Uh, where do you think Pense goes there? Because you got... Kaziah Izzard, also three technique. Devon Ellis kind of has a squatty sort of hybrid body type. Is there anyone that you're looking at opposite them to have that that big, thick PJ Mustafer, or is it Mustafer? Are you are you thinking it might be him coming back? I think it might be him coming back, right? Like, uh, you know, the fact that the fact that um, James Franklin, right after the injury, talked about it a little bit as a possibility that they didn't expect right yeah um, for him to come back and then pj obviously personally uh had an interview with the media late in the year i think it was uh the week leading into the michigan state game at which point everybody expected him to say oh yeah i'm coming back um he declined to do that at that point because just kind of reading between the lines a little bit it seems like penn state as a program might have a little bit of a policy of like hey right let's NFL decisions coming back. Yeah. 
transfers, whatever. Let's get an infographic about it and put it out on Twitter. Let's make an official statement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe the kids call that an edit. Oh, is that what that's called? An edit. Yeah. Yeah. The technical term is an infographic, but yeah. Uh, No one cares. No one cares, technical guy. (laughs) You're ruining it. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I I make them for the show every day. I didn't make any for today, but I make them every day. (laughs) You want to make EJ Mustafer? No, no, I don't. Well, no, I don't have the skills of the guys over at the Lash Building that do that. You know, somebody asked me that one time because you know I'm making stuff for the show, and they're like, "Yeah, there's this graphic design job that's open." I'm like, "I didn't go to school for that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm doing, I'm doing what I learned on YouTube and from a lifetime of having Photoshop." Uh, Props anyway. to those guys. Anyway, yes. uh, your last guy on the list. Last guy on the list was Jalen Reed uh, at yeah. safety, and because again, you know. Uh, Kalen King was kind of the, the the standout star, right, of that true freshman class. He made a huge splash in the spring, and everybody was just that. Th- those were the high expectations, and I think I think you know you ended up seeing in his game reps this year that he played a decent amount. Yep. Uh, but I think because of that, a little bit of what some of these other guys brought to the field was overshadowed, particularly in that defensive secondary. And definitely Jalen Reed was among the other highlights. Um, And the fact that James Franklin said, and, you know, I think it was early November, his name got brought up because he had already played in four games. And so, you know, whether that was not by necessity or, opportunity right because he was just that good was kind of an unknown at that time and franklin made it very clear right like franklin was just like no he's he's a guy who we're pulling the trigger on just because he's 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 out there he he talked specifically you know you see this picture specifically about that ohio state game and how ready he was for the moment that you can you know it's a lot of these intangible things you just you don't really know until you're in the moment and you're in the environment. And that was Franklin's main takeaway was here's a kid who is ready for this. He, he's not overwhelmed by the moment. He's not overwhelmed by the situation. Uh, and, you know, he was able to go out and, and produce, right? I mean, he, he yeah. it's not like he, he racked up stats by any means, but he's a guy who got double digit rep counts for yeah. the rest of the season. Well, and he had his own package. So, so yep. he had his own third down package, and that to, that is its own sign of respect. When it's not just that you come on spelling somebody else, he came on with a specific intent in mind, meaning the defense is scheming to his talent, and that to me is something that I'm looking at. Obviously, new defense coordinator and all those things, but with Anthony Poindexter coming back, his the the safeties coach, that kind of feels like a prelude of things that might happen next year. Uh, that safety position, though, I think is really interesting with Enzo Jennings and Tyler Rudolph going into the transfer portal. Uh, it's wide open to me. Uh, yep. We got to. I, I'm assuming at this point that J.R. Brown is coming back. Is that a fair assumption? That's my assumption. Okay, and I think that makes sense for him. So you've got J.R. Brown, and then who's? Uh, uh, I'm struggling for somebody else. Keaton Ellis, Jalen Reed. They want to yeah, play. Ke- they want to play four safeties. So who's going to be, it, or is it just going to be a three deep rotation? And Jalen Reed is going to be that guy. They want to play five safeties. <laughs> they want to have. They like their their ideal is to have two and a half 
deep really at all of those positions on the on the defensive side of the ball yeah um you know will they have that opportunity i'm not sure about this upcoming season but i think keaton keaton's an interesting guy to me who who i think we need to learn more about i don't um, know what his home is though the more i watch him i don't know where he fits as a yep. football player because it's a bit of um it's a bit of Lamont Wade where he's he's a phenomenal tackler. Zone coverage coming downhill is great, but as a converted corner, you'd expect him to be a little bit better in man coverage, and I think that's where he struggled. And that's why he got moved from corner. So that field safety, he's if he splits time there with Jair Brown, I I don't know. I just don't know how that fits in it. I think that's a concerning thing for him. And he's a guy that is smart and works hard and has physical skills. It just the light has not come on for him as a football player yet, in my opinion. Year one to year two could change things, right? I mean, yeah. I, I certainly obviously that's the intention when you make a position change like that. And the fact that they were committed to it, right? Like after after having made that decision and there being maybe some opportunity at a corner, even with as, as talented as that corner group was, there were still some occasions this season where it w it may have made sense to to shift him back and forth, right? To let him yeah. do, do a little bit of both of those things, right? He, he stayed there. And so the fact that he missed early in the season, I don't think helped at all. Yeah. Um, there was some, there was some, conversation during preseason camp that he was positioning himself to to compete if not win that job with with Jair Brown so look I I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility to think that that he could be a starter next season but certainly this year I don't think that there's really any debate about it did not plan or did not pan out probably the way that he would have anticipated or would have hoped for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that group in general, I think you have to add another body. Uh, I, I don't know if well, that's what, that's what Wheatley is, right? I mean, that's uh, Zaki Wheatley is going to be in there. That in was the going to be my right? next question is who's the next, who's the next corner that moves over. Who's the next guy. Uh, Zaki Wheatley was interesting because uh, yes, he's got a safety body, but so does Joey Porter Jr. I didn't know if they wanted to go long corners and they wanted to start that trend because Wheatley, I mean, we've seen him run. He's, he's a phenomenal athlete. So that's, that's what you're thinking is he's going to move over to safety and be that next kind of hybrid role. <laughs> Not sure. Let's let's uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. In, Somebody's uh, moving, so that's the re somebody always moves every year, and he's the guy that makes sense, right? Maybe, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, look, I, I I just think that they will. Um, I mean, first of all, you're gonna have a new defensive coordinator, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so there's gonna be a new puppet master behind all of this that is is gonna have to be figured out, and certainly whoever that is 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 gonna have some moves to make uh, in one direction or another, whether it's the transfer portal or, or in shifting guys and shifting some of the chess pieces on the board. This is the BWI daily edition. Nate Bauer. We're discussing his article about three critical underclassmen that need to develop during bowl practice. Uh, we've run down the list. We had, we started out with Tyler Elsden, went to Jordan Vandenberg, defensive tackle, uh, who joined the Nittany Lions late in the class of 2021, and Jalen Reed. It always ends up that we just end up talking about all of the positions, right? Yeah, so we ended, it, this is a positional from, breakdown. From 3 to 12 in a yeah. matter of minutes. But. Uh, one of the ones we didn't touch on, though, was defensive end. And, and I'm curious as to how that position is going to work out because 
Adisa Isaac, you're going to get him back next year, presumably. But what returns as far as that unit, it might be one of the ones that's up in the air as much as any to me. Yeah, I think, look, uh, I think that Adisa Isaac is a guy who, look, out of sight, out of mind a little bit, I think, in in the perceptions of of maybe some Penn State fans and even some of the media, certainly me included, who you forget he was going to start this year. He was going yep. to be a starter there at that position. Um, you know, so between him and Nick Tarburton, who uh, you're going to presume is back, uh, you have two starters at least to work with there. Uh, and then the depth behind that is uh, Zariah Fisher has to come into play. Who's He's a guy who... Saw, I think, uh, I don't have the PFF in front of me, but his reps increased as yep. the season kind of went along. Yep. Um, Can I you know, stop and, you and about Zariah of... Fisher? Just the, there's yep. one thing that's kind of, he's always been so unique to me in this certain element. When he was recruited, the best thing he did was he found the ball in the air. He was amazing in coverage in high school. He also was like 6'5", 250 at the time in, in high school playing middle linebacker. Quarterbacks couldn't literally couldn't throw over him. They, they blocked out the sun. But yeah. he doesn't do that at defensive end. So, you know, I guess my evaluation, well, I haven't seen him play football. I don't... I, is he the next Jesse Lucetta? Is this going to be a trend for them? Tar Burton and, and uh, Zariah Fisher, all these de- linebackers that have transitioned to defensive end position. Are we doing that? Is that is that a thing we're going to see? I think. <laughs> I, I mean, right? Like, isn't, isn't that what it looks like to you? I mean, certainly I saw... I saw... Through the court now, there are a couple of games that stand out to me in particular where I noticed it, and and I'm not sure that I could say the, the same as the season progressed. But Wisconsin was one where the defensive ends fairly consistently dropped into coverage. Yeah, right. Like I mean, that, I think that that is something that they want. They want kind of long, rangy guys who can get to the quarterback. Yep. Yes, but also you know, kind of drop into, into pass coverage and make plays in, in that department as well. So I don't know where, I don't know where run stopping, you know, is prioritized on that list. Like some of those guys physically, I think that you would probably project is being outmatched a little bit in that department. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Tarburton, I thought was a good run defender, but I don't know what the, I don't see a lot of guys that can rush the passer like in, in this. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like the, the yeah. skill set of the guys that we're talking about outside of Adisa Isaac, who is a pass rusher and was known as that going all the way back to his redshirt freshman season. You've got Tarburton, who's a run stuffing, tenacious linebacker, plays with strength, doesn't have bendability to the edge. Zariah Fisher seems like a clone of that. Then you got guys like Devon Townley, who's a true freshman. Uh, I think that there's an open door for a guy like Denai Dennis Sutton to come in and actually be in the two deep because they need guys that can get to the quarterback. They don't yeah. have that right now. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. There, there is, there is one more true freshman who, whose name I'm trying to find because it's escaping me right now. Um, uh, the kid from wasn't it Indiana? Maybe Rodney McGraw. Rodney McGraw. Yeah, yeah. 
There's a reason nope. I, didn't bring, I didn't bring his name up because this is that's it's the same like he's got the same body type a, a big strong thick kid that doesn't I didn't see a lot of bendability there everything I said about Jordan Vandenberg and his ability to to bend and to have natural ability to get to the quarterback I, I think it, they got a lot of strong side defensive ends I don't see a lot of guys that that have the Ebikidi build to get to the quarterback. And we saw this year when Ebikidi was neutralized by the snow or double teams or a good tackle. I don't know why I don't know why Jesse Lucchetta is declaring for the NFL draft, because with his physical skills, if he came back for another year and learned how to rush the passer, he could be a borderline day one pick with with the speed. And if he got bigger, I I'm always one to be more cautious about that because if you get lost in the middle rounds of the draft and you're trying to work on yourself in the NFL they don't care like it's a numbers game for them so if you you work or you don't and if you're at Penn State where you can get individual skill teaching and development and and work on your pass rushing I guess it's a it's a conservative safer environment than than throwing it to the wind and saying I'm gonna go to the NFL but I don't have to make any of these decisions I get to just say well you know this is what I think did we did we talk about Smith Vilbert and where he fits? I I was not impressed with what I saw him from this year. I I he glommed onto tackles because he was a guy that I brought up to you several times in the beginning of the season. Of where's the pass rush coming from outside of Adisa Isaac? And yep. he he did not push. They needed it, and he did not push for playing time this year. So he's another guy the light has to come on for. I that's the guy to me. That's the guy. That's the guy that is six five six six two sixty has those skills, but has yet to put the the physical skills with the technical ability to get to the quarterback and and you know that's he's that that clock is ticking too let's um let's just redo the piece and put them all in there let's just <laughs> let's, let's throw them all in there these are critical weeks for yeah. 25 different defensive players but the ones that you picked are actually i think have a a legitimate chance to to make those strides and and that's that's the that's the important part is if one of those other guys we talked about surprises and comes out of the back of the pack to be a contributor or let's say it's a long shot and they become great that's a bonus but the three guys that you highlighted absolutely have to like they yeah. have to work out because Penn State needs those guys to step up they're the next in line and Penn State doesn't have another veteran at some of these positions until the transfer portal upends everything and everything that we're talking about right now is irrelevant on January 13th. Well, let's get this uh, <laughs> let's get this bad boy up on the internet uh, so that we don't miss out on having it be relevant because that is exactly right with the transfer portal. By tomorrow, all of this could be uh, a moot point with uh, shifts shifting sands in college football roster construction. You want to check it out, bluewhiteillustrated.com for Nate Bauer's full article on the three players we talked about today. Thanks for joining The Daily. We'll Thanks talk for to having you. me. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>